Welcome to Dr. Cindy Speaks. Regular musings and reflections on politics, current events, and life as a congressional candidate. Dr. Cindy Banyer is a mom and small business owner fighting for our water, our health, our community. She's running for the people of Southwest Florida, trying to flip Florida 19 from red to blue. Listen as she speaks truth to power and gets real about being a mom and a candidate. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Cindy Banier with Dr. Cindy Speaks. I am a mom and small business owner, and I'm fighting for our water, our health, and our community. And I'm the Democratic nominee for U.S. House of Representatives, Florida Congressional District 19. This podcast is being recorded on September 16th at 1.03 p.m. So today is an interesting day. It's a beautiful day in sunny Florida as per usual, but we do have lots of hurricanes and tropical storms spinning off our coast. I believe the last time I checked, there were about five storms that were threatening the coast of Florida. Um, Well, all of the United States and North America for that matter. And uh, we are keeping an eye on that and hoping that everybody who's being affected currently by Hurricane Sally is staying safe with some unprecedented flooding across uh, across the Gulf Coast. And today, since it looks like we got everything rocking and rolling right on time here, I would like to go ahead and introduce our guest for today. Let's get him called in. So our special guest today is Rock Abujade. Uh, did I say that correct, Rock? Are you there? Uh, very, very close. Can, can you hear me okay? I can hear you. So go ahead and say that, say that for me one more time, because I think I've actually only heard it spoken out loud once before. <laughs> Abu Jaude? Yes, uh, Abu Jaude. <laughs> How do we say your last name? It, it, it's Abu Jaude. Uh, my, my father is Lebanese, so uh, when, Abu when I was born, okay. yeah, <laughs> when, I, when I was born, the, the story goes, uh, they didn't want to give me two Middle Eastern names, a first and a last name, and, and curse my, uh, my, <laughs> my attempts in, to, to live in the USA. So they gave me an easy first name, Rock, to make up for the, the hardness of the last name. Yes. Yeah, I can understand that. Well, my my name is uh, Cindy Lynn, not Cynthia or anything like that. Kind of on similar principles because my maiden name is Wachowski. So so my parents decided to give me uh, less letters in my first and my middle name than my last name. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's kind of, uh, you know, a little fun introduction. So thank you so much for being here today. Rock, um, I am really looking forward to this conversation because I know that you and I both share a passion for preserving our environment here in Southwest Florida, well, Mm -hmm. Florida overall. But why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Just tell us a little bit about yourself and what is it that you got going on here in 2020? Sure. Uh, first things first, uh, thank you, of course, for, for inviting me to be on your podcast. I heard a couple of your uh, your shows in the past. They're really well produced and uh, really well thought out, it, 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 would, have, it would appear. Uh, but yeah, a little bit about myself. I grew up in southwest Florida in a very rural town called LaBelle. 
Uh, most people don't know about it. It's uh, when I grew up there, it had uh, one street light, didn't have uh, you know anything more than a couple of grocery stores in the area, so a town feed store. I also grew up on a farm just 10 minutes outside of LaBelle. Uh, cows, horses, chickens, ducks, that sort of thing. Uh, in that area, I met, of course, uh, Dr. John Capice, who ran an internship mm -hmm. program uh, specializing in graduate student uh, internship programs uh, to give them a, like a climate science internship project. Uh, a lot of these students tended to be international students, so I had a, mm -hmm. a little bit more of an eye-opening experience growing up with, uh, mm -hmm. uh, first of all, in, in the climate change background, but also to, to get in, in, into contact with a lot of these international students who I would never have met uh, without, go, without going to this program. Uh, in 2015, Dr. Capi sent me to the Paris Climate Accords, which was one of wow. my first huge eye-opening experiences, and I uh, got to... Uh, uh, rub shoulders, of course, with uh, President then President Barack Obama, which was oh my gosh, really amazing. Wow. Uh, and wow. uh, you know, got, got to, of course to, to listen to a lot of presentations on climate science. There was a lot of energy, enthusiasm, you know, just a, a real general atmosphere of we're going to do our best to save the planet. And then the next year, I went to the next conference, and the next conference after that. So in Marrakech, in Morocco, Bonn, Germany. Mm. Uh, Katowice mm. in Poland and finally this last year in Madrid, Spain. And every year it seems that there's just consistent talk about doing something for climate change, but nothing ever actually happens, uh, mm. which leads me into, of course, my, my education experience. In 2016, I attended the University of Florida, graduated last year with my bachelor's degree in resource economics. I published a couple mm. papers on, uh, on my own background, which, of course, is in climate economics. Uh, and uh, I will be entering graduate school starting in January for carbon farming, which is a, uh, wow. a potentially game-changing uh, attempt to reverse the effects of climate change by sequestering or capturing carbon from the atmosphere and uh, entering it uh, into the ground. So that, that's a wow. little snapshot about myself. Wow, that's amazing. And it's so it's so interesting. So we've we you and I have interacted in a couple of spaces here, but it, we mm -hmm. actually have quite a few connections. So um, something I don't talk about as much because Hendry County is totally is out of this district, but I have done a lot of a very special place in my heart for Hendry County, which includes mm -hmm. both LaBelle and Clewiston. I have um, <laughs> just last year, I completed a a project mapping transnational community members across Hendry County, wow. trying to figure out where people were connected abroad. We found mm -hmm. that there was a large group of folks who were connected uh, to Guadalajara, Mexico. So we, uh, we yeah. were trying to build some connections uh, in Guadalajara to help communities on both sides of the borders. And that was a fascinating um, piece of research. I also, a couple years ago, authored the Community-Driven Economic Development Plan in Hendry County um, in partnership with the Florida DEO and uh, the Hendry County Economic Development Office. And that was great because we got an opportunity to talk to people across Hendry County to listen to what they want and need and then actually put it into a piece of policy to help drive both the economic development office and the county's mm -hmm. actions. Um, and so that was really great. And I just, I've, yeah, it is. And, and, and so I love uh, like connecting with people from Hendry County. Cause like I said, I've, I've spent so much time out there and, and I will actually even take it back further, especially cause this is 2020 and this is a census year. My mm -hmm. first job in Florida was doing the 2010 census wow. of which I spent a significant amount of time going door to door in Hendry 
in Cluiston. Actually, I was doing some of the hard to count places in Cluiston, which took me to Hooker's Point um, and some of the other wow. migrant communities across uh, Cluiston, which I did, by the way, with my baby daughter in a sling. So um, <laughs> no it kidding. was, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. So <laughs> that must have been quite the experience. Um, I, so, you know, I just, I have. Oh, yeah. It was fantastic. I really loved connecting with people. I mean, it's just it's just who I am is listening and learning and and then doing the nerdy data side of it. But a lot <laughs> of that work for me in Florida has been in Hendry. So I just I love connecting with folks on that. And the other thing that's so interesting where we have some shared experience, uh, you and I, Rock, is that we have both been involved in the UN system in relation to climate change and sustainable development. So I am the a, a United Nations rep for an NGO called International Association for Community Development. And this is like the civil society space. So it's not the, the formal governmental space, but through mm-hmm. that I've been advocating for community voice in things like sustainable development, I've participated in the General Assembly for the past two years on behalf of that organization, as well as worked with organizations to help them connect to the sustainable development goals. And for those of you who are listening and you haven't heard of that, those are the 17 high-level goals that are the systemic approach to addressing the biggest issues that we have, including climate change and all of the interconnected components of that. Um, And then I participated last year in the high level political forum on climate change or sustainable climate change and sustainable development for all. So it was kind of one of the preludes to um, some of the other um, governmental forums on the related to the the Paris uh, agreement and things like that. I did not get to rub shoulders with, Barack Obama, so I'm incredibly jealous of that. <laughs> but um, I, I think it's fair to say that we have an appreciation for global collaboration around some of these big issues, especially the environment. Is that fair to say, Rock? Uh, most definitely, most definitely. That's that, that's quite the background. I didn't know that you also had a, 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 what is it? I think it's the, the green access uh, to the United Nations, which is simply fantastic. Uh, yeah. We also, uh, Campus Climate Corps, the organization that John and I uh, work through uh, for our uh, climate-related uh, research projects, also has the same status. But we've never been to the General Assembly floor, which is something I'm very jealous of. That sounds like a, such an amazing, amazing experience. Yeah, I, I actually got to... Um because one of my, my, my skills in life is getting into places I'm really not supposed to be in. So <laughs> one of my classmates from Japan is, um, is the deputy ambassador from Laos to the United Nations. Wow. <laughs> and, and then another classmate of mine, she was working for the UN Secretariat. So when I did get mm-hmm. to go to the United Nations, I got, I, uh, you know, I was like, hey, you know, get me in, take me over here. So I got to see some of the <laughs> back end places where the diplomats go. And that was just, you know, fantastic and great, of course, to catch up with classmates as well. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so great. So t- tell us, Rock, you know. Yeah, we could talk about, I get very excited about this, clearly. So, um, <laughs> but tell us a little bit about the other stuff that you have going on. Because there are really, I mean, there's two things that you have going on here in 2020 that are just absolutely uh, amazing. I'm sure there's lots more, but there are two things that I have in mind. So tell us a little bit about the political side of the world for you in 2020. 
Sure. And it's it's hard to, to comment on the political side without also keeping one very strong foot on the academic side, because my candidacy for the House of Representatives District 10 was never meant to be more than an attempt to show voters, especially in this really red district, that they need to care about climate change. There are so many issues that I'm very passionate about, like Black Lives Matter, uh, a lot of, you know, uh, LGBTQ issues that I have, you know, they're very close to my heart. But the bottom line is when it comes to climate change, there is no middle ground you possibly can have. There's no such thing as uh, as a hoax. It's not a hoax. It's, it's There's no middle ground. We must have in high intensity investment into technology to fight climate change. So when I ran for, or when I entered, and by the way, uh, it, it took a lot of convincing from Dr. Janelle Christensen, who runs the uh, Democratic <laughs> Environmental Caucus of Florida, uh, to right. convince me. I mean, she, she called me, I think, five or six times in the course of like a month saying, hey, Rock, there's nobody running in this district, so you should totally do it. And I kept saying, no, 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 I'm going to grad school. I got to co focus on this and concentrate. I got a paper I'm writing. And, and then finally on the sixth time, like, okay, I'm tired of saying no, I'll just do it. But I, I'll only, I'm just going to put my ring in the hat. That's it. And that transformation from, you know, just throwing my name on a piece of paper saying I'll run in a district that I have no chance of winning transformed into a real chance to connect with red district conservative yeah. republican voters who really just before this election i think couldn't give a, a rat's behind about climate change or about it being convinced that it's a hoax it's something from china it just it, it doesn't really you know make sense but i've done a lot of door to door and uh trying to bridge the gap between the academic and the political mm -hmm. world is the uh, is the foundation of my race so to say right. that I, it's just purely political is just uh, I mean, it's 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 I'm trying to do the best to show folks that you can be both and in, in the political world, but you must have a very solid foundation or be supported by those with a solid foundation in the academic world. Mm. Yeah. Well, so tell us. So I was really pushing on your race. So tell us again which race you're running for um, this cycle. Yeah, it's the House of Representatives District 10. So that would include uh, counties in the North Florida uh, area. So there's a little bit in Alachua County, some in Madison, some in Clay County, which if you recall, the, the one sheriff who was out there saying that we should take guns and go fight the Black Lives Matter people, that's the county that I'm running in. Uh, oh. Yeah, the, the bottom line is, you know, just to give you an overview of, of the types of, of, of folks that I'm running into up here. Uh, yeah, House of Representatives mm -hmm. District 10 in, in North Central Florida. Great. Oh, perfect. So really glad to, that you are running and you're, you are part of that cohort of folks who are, um, you know, running across the state in this really historic, you know, set of Democrats running in almost every single district, right? Yes. Uh, this was like, like I said, Dr. Janon Christensen called me like five or six times trying to convince me to run for the seat as part of her effort to have all 141 uh, seats filled in every single, you know, every single seat currently up for election in, in the Florida House and Senate, uh, which it, it, as, as far as I know, in the state of Florida's history, this hasn't happened uh, it, it, like mm -hmm. ever uh, in terms mm -hmm. of like the amount of folks that we have secured to run for these seats and the amount of money that was raised to get their names on the ballot right. and say, you know, regardless of right. the folks in this district, we are going to show folks that we, we have a real chance at flipping at flipping Florida. Yeah. Yeah, and I agree. I, I am very, um, you know, I've been so in awe of that effort that, you know, uh, Janelle and 
other folks, including 90 for 90 have been involved in and, mm-hmm. and uh, fundraising, you know, from uh, Margie sign and, and folks like, like that. And it is historic. It is important. And I love it because I, I'm a fighter. Anybody's seen any of my materials, you know, I'm a former <laughs> professional boxer. I'm a fighter. I am not somebody that just says, meh, let's, we're just going to give that one away. We're just going to mm-hmm. let that one go. Absolutely not. And I understand that, you know, it's good to be strategic. I'm strategic in my campaign about, you know, picking my battles at proverbial line. But I think that there is really, it's a really important statement to say, look, we are here, right? It changes the narrative. And that's what I, you know, has been missing over the past several years is that the the idea that these are just red places and that there are no you know, Democrats, no liberal leaning folks, no progressive folks in those areas, because it's simply not true. And frankly, right. it stifles the conversation when everybody just says, oh, everybody there is like this. It it allows reading it. So I, I'm so honored to be talking with you and so th- grateful that you stood up to to run that fight, even when the numbers are against you, because here's the thing. Somebody's going to make it through. Change is going to happen. Voices are going to be lifted because of your race. So thank you. Uh, of course. And uh, I mean, I have to reciprocate here. Folks like you and especially Danica are really breaking the stereotype uh, of women entering politics and people who are genuinely in the fight to fight. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's really so incredible, especially the social media that I've seen surrounding Uh, you and Danica about folks who just like really are out there saying, whoa, like we did not expect a former wrestler and an alligator wrestler to be in politics and and, and challenging the establishment. It's like, in fact, I've I've told a couple of folks up here in Gainesville uh, in the area where, you know, I I intend to go to grad school anyway. Uh, But yeah, I've told them like if, 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 if folks like, like Cindy and Danica are running in South Florida then there's no, literally no excuse for any woman to enter politics and say, like, I can't beat this odds. Like, you know, you guys are really breaking right. all the stereotypes and molds that folks have about women in politics. And I, I think that that is one of the biggest statements that we can take away from this election. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that, too. What was surprising on that note is that I just got some polling back that showed that actually me being a mom and me being a single mom is a compelling factor in my race. Wow. And yeah, that is, yeah, it's great. And it's so, I will tell you, it's something that goes against the traditional wisdom of what people tell women in politics. Usually women who are moms were told to, you know, in the scenes, you know, not supposed to put being a mom on front street and you're not supposed to be running while your kids are little. And I, that's so true. Yeah, it is. And it's, you know, it's kind of the way that things were done. And I just decided that that wasn't what I wanted to do, that I wanted to showcase being a mom and that moms can do it. And we have a valuable voice because there really isn't (laughs) there, you know, there aren't many and we are marginalized because of that. And, and so I was just so happy because it really was that, that change in mindset was being reflected back to us in the polling that no, actually being a mom, being a single mom was something that was really reaching people. And so I think it's a testament to what happens when you say the things that aren't supposed to be said, right? Of course. 
of when course. you say the, the quiet part aloud. And it, it's, you know, I, I'm very happy to be in this space. I'm very comfortable. I'm very excited. I am excited to be a part of this cohort of people who are just ready to be authentically themselves that are running because they're passionate about their communities and about change and that are, are just willing to dive into those conversations, even though they are, they are going to be hard. Mm-hmm. So speaking of which, you are leading an initiative across Florida that by the outward looks of it would be called controversial by some. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your Florida <laughs> Green New Deal initiative? Very happy to. So yes, uh, <laughs> the Florida Green New Deal basically started when Dr. Capice and I were sitting down in, uh, in, in his living room in Hall Street when, uh, when, when in LaBelle, when uh, the COVID was just starting to set in. So we're sitting six feet away. And uh, I'm, I'm just, just debating with him about the merits of running in a red district, about the fact that a lot of our climate projects in the state of Florida, especially the research projects that we do, just completely go uh, unnoticed by politicians, like a lot of our projects, which actually can show uh, that there are financial ways to combat climate change. You know, none of the projects ever seem to be picked up in the political world. In the academic world, they're great. The people quote them. Like there's, there's, there's a lot of uh, great academic, you know, response to what we do, but nothing so much in the political world. So this is where I decided uh, when, I, when I was talking to Dr. Capice that maybe there's something that we can do, uh, especially as the state of Florida, because as you no doubt know, our state will be the number one state affected by climate change in terms of its financial mm-hmm. loss, in terms of population migration, and mm-hmm. all across the board, we will lose the most when it comes to climate change. You, you think that the fires in California are bad now? Imagine entire cities wiped away or agriculture industry gone. It's mm-hmm. like the, there's just no end to what Florida will experience when it comes to climate change. So this is where it became more than just a race and throwing my name in the hat. It became a yep. real the real design to do something, leave some sort of lasting impact when I move on to grad school, it give us a fighting chance. And that's where the Florida Green New Deal was born. So this, a lot of folks consider it controversial simply because of the name. When it comes to climate change, sure, we're going to have those folks in the, in the Trump camp who, on the, on the surface, will immediately disagree with it simply because it has to do with climate change or because it has the term Green New Deal in it. And, and I hope that one day we can bring these folks around or at the very least show through our education system to their children that, yes, climate change is not a hoax. It's real. It's coming. Yeah. We have to face it. It's right here. It's now. Uh, but there are a lot of folks in, 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 the, in the Democrat camp have, have refused to, to back this initiative uh, simply yeah. because of the label Green New Deal. And, and I suppose that's where the controversial nature comes from, because it's, it's labeled progressive. It's labeled not mm-hmm. normal. It's labeled not in the, in the Democrats' real realm of, of what they would normally deal with. But climate change, regardless of which party, is, is coming for all of us. And, and I suppose that leads mm-hmm. to the next point, which is we, as a state of Florida, regardless of what the national government's going to do, we have to act now. We can't wait for the national government to pass a Green New Deal. We're going to be happy to mm-hmm. accept those federal dollars when they come, but for right now, we got a state to defend. We got a we got our future generations to think about. We have our beachfront properties, which are soon going to be underwater to think about. Our agriculture industry, mm-hmm. we've got a lot that we got to worry about. So yep. that is the intention 
of this Florida Green New Deal, regardless of how controversial it is, to give our state a fighting chance not to wait on the federal government to act and give us federal dollars to fight climate change, but to actually involve the science, involve our scientific communities in devising a way to sought to save our state from climate change. Uh, and, and that is at the heart of this, uh, the, the heart of uh, FLCEDI, the Florida Climate and Economic Defense Initiative. It is a Green New Deal, but it's a Green New Deal in which science is interwoven in every angle possible to allow the scientists full reign and control over how our state will need to transform itself to carbon negative, to a state which can actually survive the effects of climate change. Hmm. Great. Yeah. And you're right. You're right. That Just because it gets a label on it, people think it's it's controversial, but I, I, I really like it. Um, I am a signatory to this deal. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it's really important too, that we have collaboration between the state level and the federal level to do this. I, I will tell you that this is absolutely in alignment with what I describe as my governing philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I am a political science you know, instructor. I've got a master's in public administration and my doctorate work continued that. And it's really important to me that we, when we make policy, it's done well. And at the federal level in the United States, our main function is to set goals and release funding. That's what we're supposed to be doing and working to collaborate and align down the line. And so Mm -hmm. I think that you know, initially what I would love to see is, is this kind of nesting set of policies and programs and projects, because we, at the federal level, we can't implement programs. We can't, it's all local. It has to be local. It has to be tailored to that place in order for it to be effective. And that's my evaluator speak, (laughs) you know, (laughs) my other part of my world as a professional evaluator is that we, Mm -hmm. if we want things to really work, we have to have the implementation um, be tailored to the situation there and flexible enough to reach the goals at the local level and then have those goals kind of lead up to the big goals. And I did the, another piece of my work was actually doing this relate in relation to the sustainable development goals. So how do we localize those plans. So how do we have global goals and make change? And that it's exactly this concept. So we can do the same thing with the Green New Deal. So at the federal level, I would be looking at making sure that we do have funding for this, that we do have those high level goals, um, that we have kind of big, broad areas that we're providing funding in that programs or initiatives like the, the Florida Green New Deal would dovetail right into that. And we'd be able to support this, this movement here in the state, uh, along with the, the national level goals and funding. So it's, it's mm-hmm. so incredibly important that we have this because, and I will tell you, this actually should help us in a place like Florida where we do have so many conservative enclaves because we can talk about local control. We can talk right. about um, how we can make things be tailored to specific localities and it's not federal government control. Uh, you know, that's your state rights folks. I mean, they, they manipulate that sometimes for their own purposes, but this is really what it's talking about in a, in a public administration sense. It means, okay, well you do this thing, you figure out what your community needs and we just kind of collaborate up the chain between the state and the, the national level government to get it accomplished. Um, and, and so that's why I like it. 
again, it's super, you know, I'm getting very wonky on it, but I think it's helpful for people to realize it because we can start to break down some of these, these counter arguments to them and be like, no, we really just want you, your community, your state to have the best fighting chance at com- combating something like climate change. And this is a great initiative for that. I agree completely. And part of that is you know, we, we, we agree that we, as, as the, the difference in the state and, and Congress, we are going to hope and those of us who are religious will pray that eventually a federal Green New Deal will come down the line that folks like you when you enter Congress will fight tooth and nail to get a, a national Green New Deal passed. From our analysis, it won't come any time in the next couple of years. Hopefully, we'll get it actually passed as a resolution, and then actual programs will begin to get funded. But you're right. We in the state of Florida have to have something to be funded before we actually go to you and ask for funding. We're not going to ask for a big pile of cash and say, well, you know, we, we intend to spend this on climate change. No, no. The, the, the idea of the Florida Green New Deal is, and if you take a look in part of the, the, the three parts of the initiative created so far, one of them is to create a three, uh, three separate task forces to, to find out exactly where federal dollars need to be spent within the state of Florida to combat climate change. And one of the biggest ones and the one that I'm most excited about is the carbon negative task force. So what nice. technology can we be creating right now so that when federal dollars get sent down from when, whenever you finish creating and fighting that battle at the national level, when those dollars <laughs> get sent down to us, we know where ex- every penny of that money ought to be spent in transforming our state to carbon negative and potentially reversing the effects of, of climate change instead of reaching that three or uh, two degrees Celsius increase, we might actually be able to limit that and perhaps uh, even even uh, reverse the effects. But we need that technology created and in place now. And that's why the Green yep. New Deal, the Florida Green New Deal uh, exists right now to create that, that, that tra- and be ready for that transformation when those federal dollars get to, get spent. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. Let's let's talk a little bit ab- about about the political side of it because it's it's already reared its head in my race. Um, I just the other day I listened to a an audio interview with my opponent Byron Donalds, where he <laughs> says he doesn't believe in climate change or not really, or he's confused because it was climate change or global warming and now it's climate change and we should just pick a name and whatever. And that absolutely humans had no role in it. It's just natural. And this is just, you know, we, we don't need to waste time on it. He did say we do need to help the environment, of course, but that climate change is not that big of a deal. And so I took that opportunity to just, just pounce (laughs) because, (laughs) because not only is it ridiculous, but you know, I actually have been teaching about climate change in my course at FGCU for the past seven years. It's one of the major global issues that I cover in my global studies course. And, um, you know, it's, it's funny that at FGCU, cause I used to joke that the, that was the biggest, um, that was the barometer in my class because essentially after that class, about 50% of the students wouldn't come back and I'm not even kidding. <laughs> Wow. (laughs) I know. Right. But it's true. It's like, it's, it's cause it was like it's some, for some of the students, it was like entering the wrong program into the computer. It's just, it sent them on a loop. You know, Mm -hmm. when I, especially after it was at the 2018 IPCC report where it's like unequivocally anthropogenic, uh, 
factors cause uh, global warming, right? There was a whole chart. I found like the simplest chart I could to show to my undergraduate students on this. And I just put it up in front of them and I'm like, yes, this is a thing. (laughs) This is us. We need to fix it. Like, you know, and it was just like watching people on a loop sometimes, unfortunately. Um, I also, the other thing that was striking as I was teaching this information is, and mind you, I started teaching that class shortly after moving back to the United States from living abroad, where everybody else in the entire world, this is not a thing. Like, this is not, a, everybody understands that it, it's happening everywhere else in the world. Now, not everybody agrees what we need to do about it, but everybody agrees that it's happening. And I actually had the circumstance of coming from my university in Japan that had a lot of students, especially in my graduate programs, that were from low-lying Pacific Islands, where this has been a reality for them for 20 years, with the Maldives Mm -hmm. trying to relocate their entire population because of sea level rise. You know, one inch sea level rise for some of these low-lying islands is like the end of their island, right? Um, so it's it's a big deal. And um, so in the, you know, my schooling, my education, there was just an understanding that this is happening and we need, it needs to be addressed. And climate migration, climate refugees are a real thing, Um and it's not, you know, not something that was just made up. It was, it was a reality that people were living every single day in countries around the world. So it was really a shock to come back to the United States, to come back to Florida, which is going and has been seeing the most significant um, damage change and issues related to climate change. And there's a significant portion of people who are just, they just don't think it's a thing. They just don't believe it unless it hits them right in front of the face. They just don't. Um But I will say that there was promise in my region, at least, uh, two years ago when there was a survey of about, I think it came back, about 76% of the people uh, decided that climate change was real. And a lot of it came after Hurricane Irma. And people got a big old hurricane that they watched, you know, a Category 5 bearing down on them. Uh, Hit us as a three, but, you know, that, that did shake some people enough to believe in it. Um, But I just, I can't believe that, you know, it was such a shock to come back and everybody goes, oh, this is not a thing. I'm like, no, everybody else in the rest (laughs) of the world already knows this. So, you know, I think that, you know, what else do we need to do to help discuss the severity of the climate change and the reality of the way it's experienced around the world? What do we need to be talking about with people? So that is, it's, Maybe the, the best answer to that question is, is in the form of a story experience that I had when I attended uh, Bonn, Germany, where uh, Fiji was in charge of the UN climate conference at the time. And uh, they had uh, import or they, they brought over from Fiji uh, a bunch of their brothers and sisters whose island had literally disappeared. It just no longer existed. And the mm-hmm. Fijian government went to these young kids and told them, you know, and their parents, of course, and said, hey, uh, it's getting too expensive to do climate mitigation right now for your island. We can no longer afford the walls that we can, you know, surround your island. So we're telling you that you that the Japanese government has offered a place on the mainland Japan uh, to house you. So you will no longer be living on this island. You are being forcibly moved. And I remember this. It was one of the most 
uh, it was one of the most moving experiences I've ever had in my life because I had this kid who was my age. You know, I was 20 at the time, two years ago, uh, mm -hmm. when, when Bonn, Germany, the conference in Bonn, Germany was being held. And this kid that was literally 20 years old, my age, was telling me this story about how the BJN government came to his house after a storm on their island and said, you're, you're moving. Uh, you, you just grab your stuff. You're getting your suitcase. We're paying for a flight. You're gone. And uh, it's it's really and that also is hand in hand with the story you have of, of folks who accept climate change after a big storm. You have to see it in front of you before you mm -hmm. will accept that it's real for a lot of these conservative folks. And, and right. that's why I'm hoping that through my graduate program, even though it's more on the chemistry and the science behind reversing the effects of climate change, that I hope to be involved in some way in creating programs to show people, to showcase to them, either through social media or through some other more up in front, in your face thing that, yeah, it's happening. People are dying. People are moving from this and it's coming to you. Like there, there's just no way about it. Like, you know, it's the of course, Fiji's halfway around the world, but guess what? The same experience is going to happen here in the next 20 years. And that's mm -hmm. kind of the experience we have to show Americans is that e even though they may not believe that it's real, there has to be a program that we can create to show them that it's coming. It's coming. And there's no two ways about it. We have to do something now. And, and, and yes, that, that also goes back to the point of when we do convince them that climate change is real, what do we do about it? For, and I saw this a lot of this, I think, at the beginning of this in this year's uh, legislative session. I served as the senior environmental analyst for the Florida State Senate. And uh, a, a lot of, on day one, I tried to bring in a couple of academics to, to, to explain a couple of things about, uh, you know, our, the Florida water crisis. And I was told by our very own Democrats that you're not here to work for the Sierra Club or Campus Climate Corps, the organization that I work for. You're here to work for the Florida Senate. And that told me so much about how our hmm. own team views the environment, about hmm. how Democrats and Republicans in Tallahassee feel about, quote unquote, the environment. They will do what they must in order to do the very bare minimum to claim that they're doing well for the environment. And that's something that has to change. That's a defeatist mm -hmm. attitude, which is going to get us nowhere to solve the effects of climate change, even on our own team. And that's something that we have to confront, a realization yeah. that we have to do something and showcase that climate change is coming to not today or sorry, not tomorrow, but literally today. Even amongst our own teammates, we got to make sure that this playing field, everyone can see it for what it truly is. Yeah. Wow. That's a great. That's a great point. Um, and that's why I'm so glad you are running and people like us are running that really care about these issues um, and aren't bought and sold by big corporations that have very exactly. different interests. Cause I think that <laughs> plays into it. I, I mean, honestly, you know, I look at my race and, you know, feel free to, to share any information that you have after interacting uh, in Tallahassee with uh, my <laughs> opponent and like his friends. But, um, you know, these folks, uh, particularly in the Republican side of at least my race, um, they take major dollars from big corporations and they don't care about actual issues. They care about meeting the needs of their donors. I mean, they oftentimes are very they don't know much about the issues at all. They just know what they've been told to vote on and how they've been told to vote and what they've been told to say in relation to these issues. Um, exactly. And it's disheartening, right? I think it's disheartening um, and we have to fight against it. So one of the things that I, I have made a main plank of my campaign is anti-corruption and to make sure that I myself am not taking dollars 
um, corporate dollars, PAC dollars, all of that stuff. Um, and I don't intend on doing that ever. So, and I think that's important. And I would love to see a c- campaign finance reform to move away from that. We can really get to the point of governance um, for the people and for issues that are important to us rather than what we have now, which is a mishmash of cronyism and mm-hmm. well, under Trump, a, a clear slide towards authoritarianism. But I'll, I'll digress on that one for a moment. But <laughs> t- tell That's us so what true. you s- yeah, what you've seen in Tallahassee in terms of that dynamic with mem- re- elected officials. Yes. And one of the things that they were always reminding me of is that, you know, what happens in Tallahassee stays in Tallahassee. And it's and this is especially because I was working on the Democrat side of the team where it's even very prevalent among, among our own members who receive huge, big checks from corporations uh, to not do something or to do something or to have a specific vote. It's it's very disheartening. But at the same time, the system is changing. I think that social media shows that there are young people and people that, you know, like you young single moms who really do see the need to change right now. And that's of course why you're running. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, 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 and, but going back to the Tallahassee thing, it's like, you see there's, you make connections all the time. Like there's, there's dots that I was able to connect that I'd never had the chance to not working in Tallahassee as being in the academic world, you're lobbying $4 from Tallahassee to fund specific projects, mm-hmm. to work on grants, to, you know, f- fight climate change on the ground. But when I went to Tallahassee, it was so eye opening about just how much power a dollar has. And of course, a million times a dollar going into someone's campaign it, it, it does buy money does buy power in Tallahassee. That, that's just the bottom line. It's the it's, it's disgusting, but it does happen. And, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm really hoping that when it comes to climate change, that we have a package deal that this does not just exclusively apply to that action doesn't exclusively apply to climate change. It also applies to campaign finance reform. It also can, it, it, it's reflected in how we deal with race in the USA because, of course, racial justice is a huge thing. Minority communities are much more impacted by climate change than, than the white communities. Yep. And, yep. Uh, and even folks like me who are, you know, a Middle Eastern background, you know, we need to be on this board too. It's, it's just there is no two ways about this. There, this has to be a package deal, a package solution to fighting climate change. And that has to come from all of us. And this is where, you know, going back to the Tallahassee thing, it's we have to realize that, yes, money does buy power in Tallahassee, but votes are still the king and queen at the end of the day, that we have to use them for what they are truly are and not pay attention to some political ad, but go into someone's history, find their voting record, and then actually mm-hmm. make sure to make the, we make the right decision that we support the folks who are actually going to have significant, impactful change. People like you, people who are progressives, who can actually say no to campaign, you know, gigantic big dollar uh, uh, corporations, and instead vote for the conscience, vote for what's actually going to make sense and help fight climate change and all of the other board across the board issues, which matter to progressives, which will actually impact positively our society. Absolutely. And this is a, probably a good time to give a shout out to the Democratic Environmental Caucus of Florida, which does oh, a yeah. report card on all uh, members of the Florida legislature on, on their voting record, analyzes their voting record and the environmental merits of those votes. And um, my opponent's got enough. 
<laughs> I can tell you that. Um, That's not everybody's very true. quite as bad as him, but I, I, you know, you can check out that information on their website. You can just enter Democratic Environmental Caucus of Florida and you can get to those, but that's a really great um, tool for people who care about the environment to understand the voting record of their representatives or the former representatives that are now running for something else. Cause keep in mind, we have term limits in Florida um, that uh, shift them to another thing. And I just, I, I like to make this pitch. I'll just make a small thing on term limits here. And it's frankly something that I have learned recently, but the reason I have now decided that term limits are is exactly what's happening in Florida. It's because it shifts the power away from the electorate and away from individual leaders and towards corporations. Because when you have a, a continuous stream of brand new people coming in, they it, those corporate dollars to fund brand new campaigns become very attractive become very attractive and they can keep putting the people up and those people do not have institutional knowledge. They may or may not have a good grasp of the community that they're serving and they definitely don't necessarily know how the institution that they're now a part of in terms of their voting works a lot of times. Um, and so they just get fed information from those same corporate backers and that's how it works. But I, I, I like to keep that kind of top of mind. Cause even though that's like a very wonky technical side of government thing, I think it's a valuable thing for people to start to grasp shift power yes, towards I, corporations. I yeah. Go ahead. Ra. I agree completely. Um, on the topic of the environmental report card uh, this year, uh, Dr. John Capice and his team basically single-handedly I've uh, been working on that for the past uh, five years without a single penny uh, asking in return. So they they wow. really they really deserve all the praise that they can get. And this past year, uh, John and Dr. Capice asked me uh, to help them for the first time in in their in the report cards history, uh, the Senate side of of their report card. So this year we were mm. able to successfully uh, create a, a a Senate version of that with uh, uh, you know Dr. Capice, me, and the rest of the team. Uh, to, to build that side too, which is very effective. But yeah, I, I agree on on some levels for for term uh, for, for the the concept of term limits, and this of course goes into the idea of publicly financed elections of alternative systems, mm -hmm. where if there was no big dollar corporation giving millions of dollars to can new you know newly newly crowned candidates, mm -hmm. uh, or, or even establishment candidates. Sure. That 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 dynamic could possibly change entirely, mm -hmm. and we might revert to a system more along the lines of that envisioned by the founding fathers. All you know, uh, as as as, uh, as 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 involved in slavery as they were, the concept of term limits to them uh, was, of course, you know, much it was was very necessary to prevent the establishment of a king or somebody to retain power over a long period of time. But at the same time, they weren't dealing with huge corporations giving them millions of dollars. So there are, mm -hmm. I, I suppose, many sides of that coin. But I, I think that your your perspective is uh, is definitely. Uh, uh, definitely needs to be said in, in the public so folks have a chance to understand all sides of that issue. Absolutely. All right. So I understand that people, regular citizens and supporters across Florida can get involved with the Florida Green New Deal. Can you tell us a little bit about that? 
Yes. So if you visit our social media pages, so on Twitter, I believe it's at F-L-C-E-D-I. And then on Facebook and Instagram, it's uh, at uh, F-L Climate. Uh, You can, as an individual citizen, sign on to or be, you know, actually co-sponsor as a citizen, uh, the Florida Green New Deal. So you can legitimately go to the Google form, put in your name, and your name will actually show up when we send this a physical copy of this bill uh, to both Washington and Tallahassee as a citizen co-sponsor, uh, which I think is is really impactful and important because it does show that this is an initiative created by ordinary people, like ordinary citizens who said enough is enough. We have to do something about climate change. Nothing's being done either at the national level or at the state level, which is comprehensive and an attempt to combat climate change. So we got to do something about it. So. This is the first time that a comprehensive attempt to do something about climate change has ever been existed in the state of Florida. And more importantly, it's something which involves everyone. It was created by ordinary and average citizens, and it should be co-sponsored by ordinary and average citizens who say enough is enough. So if you visit our social media pages or our website, flclimate.com, uh, you should be able to actually read the initiative and find, find the Google form to sign on as a co-sponsor uh, of, of, the, uh, of, of this uh, Florida Green New Deal. Fantastic. That's, fan- that's just amazing. And I love it, too, because it's very, it's very grassroots. It's very participatory, and ordinary people can get involved in the governance component, and I love it. The, um, the other thing that's amazing about this initiative has to do with the town halls. So people can actually listen and learn a little bit more about the initiative and the issues surrounding this. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. The third part of the initiative of our Florida Green New Deal is the commitment that between July and November that there will be 100 town halls held throughout the state of Florida to meet with our, 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 our constituents, our citizens, and solicit the feedback necessary to create this comprehensive plan with everyone's input possible. So this is basically the opportunity that any citizen who cares about climate or who cares about the environment, their backyard, or even doesn't really care about the climate, wants to hear a little bit more, have their inputs, you know, actually heard on on these town halls, can join in one of these 100 town halls. And chances are that somebody from your district is either from the Senate or the House of Representatives side is actually signed on to this. And if they're not, encourage them to add their name, to affix their signature to the Florida Climate and Economic Defense Initiative and uh, start holding their own town halls to meet with you, the ordinary citizen, the average citizen who actually cares about our state's future, just like you, just like me, just like everyone in our state of Florida who should care about the environment. So if they're not signed on, encourage them to sign on. And if they are signed on, away from them because they are holding these town halls as we speak. We have currently held over 38 town halls between July and now and the rest of the town halls we'll be holding uh, through November. That's fantastic. Well, that's a great opportunity for people to get involved and learn more about the Florida Green New Deal and about how we can roll back the negative components leading to our climate change at the moment. Um, The other thing, Rock, of course, is about you. You have sound like an amazing candidate. You have such a wealth of knowledge on such an important topic uh, facing us here in the state of Florida. So if other people are excited about you like I am, tell us how we can get in touch with you and how we can support you so that you can make a difference for us in Tallahassee. Sure. Uh, That is, uh, you you can always uh, visit any of my social media pages uh, and, um, and, and usually you can find them uh, at Rock, F-O-R-U-S, Rock for Us. 
Uh, you can always find me there. Oh, you can also email me, rock at uh, rockforus.com. Uh, yeah, it's I, I'm, I'm more than always willing to engage with, with anyone who you know has any kind of feedback for how we are attempting to combat climate change in our state. Uh, trying to run as a young person is definitely an eye-opening experience. Uh, even though the, the limited experience that I have, it's, it's definitely something which I am so happy to engage with the folks that I'm running to represent, but also those across the state of Florida, just because uh, as, as the author of, of, of the Florida Green New Deal, I want to make sure that when we deliver this in Tallahassee in March, it, it is as comprehensive as possible and that every opportunity has been offered to get all the opinions of Floridians into that document as, as, as possible as we can. So if folks want to engage, you know, with me or with any of the folks who have signed on, just, you know, visit flclimate.com. There are links to all of our websites on there. Uh, there's also a, a map to show who in the state of Florida is running to represent or, the, the, or to, to pass the Florida Green New Deal. And yeah, like I said, you know, it, it's, it's an excellent, it's such an amazing opportunity to be with you here uh, today, Cindy. So yeah, uh, if folks want to engage, there you go. <laughs> Thank you. And so we can reach you at rockforus.com and we can donate there. Is that right? Uh, yes, yes. So I, I have a Act Blue pages, you know, all over my social medias. If folks want to want to donate to the campaign, but uh, more importantly than that is, of course, our, our Green New Deal. So if, I would sure. rather folks invest their 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 time and energy and into passing this forward a Green New Deal. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that, that's that, that that's all my uh, social media handles, and you know. It, it's there you go. <laughs> Don't be bashful. We need funds to get good people elected. It's okay <laughs> to ask. Okay. So if you are just absolutely impressed with the, the body of knowledge and the work and the ability to build a coalition uh, to get things done in the state of Florida that rock brings to the table, you should absolutely visit him at rockforus.com. You should check him out. Uh, you can donate to him via act blue. I'm sure if you reach out to him and he can find a role for you in terms of volunteering somewhere, of either course. with the Florida Climate Initiative or with his campaign. Uh, we really need voices like his in Tallahassee to keep moving the conversation forward. So thank you so much for being with us here today, Rock. You got it, Cindy. Thank you so much for uh, for allowing me to be on your program. And uh, I look forward to, to, to passing this Florida Green New Deal with you and uh, <laughs> hopefully engaging with you uh, when, when, when you're in Congress and I'm in Tallahassee. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's do this. <laughs> well, thanks again, Cindy. I, I, I appreciate being on your program. Thank you. Have a great day. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Dr. Cindy Speaks. If you'd like to learn more about her campaign, go to cindybanyay.com or connect with her directly at vote at cindybanyay.com. We love connecting with people. Contents of this podcast are paid for and approved by friends of Sandy Banyay.